Welcome back to the Bliss of the Abyss, finding a way through the pandemic hand in hand. This week's guest is writer, genius, lovely man, friend, Stephen Lawton, who is the author of, amongst other plays, Run, One Jewish Boy. You might have heard of that if you listen to this show. And is the current writer in residence at the Astrophysics Department of the American Museum of Natural History in New York. Imagine that, working at the Astrophysics Department and writing plays and movies and short films. Fucking cool. And in fact, that's not the only thing that's excellently cool about this gentleman. And we get into all of that this week, including but not limited to the possibility of one Jewish boy coming back being an alien of extraordinary ability, depression, rising from that depression like a phoenix and using healthy working habits, as well as being insanely productive, which he is and I wish I was. (laughs) But that's all that there is on this week, and it's more than you should need. So, without any further ado, I present to you the wonderfully talented Stephen Lawton. I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Hello, love. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, all right. I'm all right, I think. Oh. I'm sitting in a car <laughs> in the middle of the fucking mountains. Um, it's hilarious. <laughs> You're out in the Catskills, aren't you? Yeah, I'm up in the Catskills. Yeah, 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 yeah. My friends, um, Dan and Andy, have this really beautiful house up here, basically, that I kind of come up to fairly frequently. Mm. Um, so that's good. Is it like a a getaway? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they basically live up here now. Um, So, um, yeah, they kind of come into the city, like, I don't know, every now and then. But, yeah, they kind of of come in and steal me and then bring me up here, (laughs) which is kind of nice. I mean, yeah, it must be a blessed relief from the the crazy high-rise nonstop New York. Although, (sighs) is, is New York like that right now? It is, yeah. It's still, like, it's been really coming back. Like, there have been moments. Like, I kind of feel that you're never really going to hold New York down for very long. Yeah. So, of course, over the last year, there's been, like, really quiet moments, for sure. Mm. Um, and that's been kind of nice in a way. Like, the lack of um, tourists. Mm. Not that I have anything <laughs> against tourists at all. <laughs> but just, like, just fewer people on the streets. Yeah. So you can really enjoy what the city feels like. Um, but over over the last month, you've certainly seen, like, it feels like the old city again. Oh. Basically, it's coming back. Um, I was joking about it last week with someone saying, basically, people hate each other on the streets again, and I've missed it. Like, <laughs> you could hear the chorus of fuck yous, which is just great. <laughs> yeah, that means the city's returning to its normal rhythm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's kind of wonderful. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. 
London is uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of coming back as well. Um, okay. Yeah, during the during the peak of it all, because uh, you've you've been there, you've been there for a while now in New York, weren't you? I know you've been back and forth yeah, yeah, a yeah. little bit, but um, yeah, 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 but basically solidly for a year, right? Like yeah. Since lockdown, basically. Since yeah, lockdown, since, we, yeah. since since the play closed, and I flew back <laughs> um, in that panic. I basically, apart from like three weeks when I went and did a visa run. Um, yeah, I've been here the entire time, basically. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, why don't we tell people um, who are listening how we know each other? And, uh, you know, you've, you've alluded to the uh, the play closing. Why don't we just fill in the gaps for some people who don't know? Okay. So, do you want to do that or should I do that? Well, it's up to you. You're the guest. I'm the host. Yeah. What do you think would You're be most host. appropriate? You should do it. I should do it. You should do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. met Stephen. I met Stephen in 2018. Was it or 2017? Yeah, I think so. Twenty of, something. I don't know. Twenty eighteen, I think. I think it was must it? be the first. The yeah, first yeah, auditions. Yeah, yeah. Um, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we did the show in originally in December twenty eighteen, didn't we? Going into January twenty nineteen. So right. yeah, just after the summer, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I, I met you auditioning for what went on to become One Jewish Boy at the Old Red Lion, um, and then subsequently transferred to Trafalgar Studios. Uh, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <I was> shallow. <laughs> um, where we were performing and um, doing rather well um, when the oh. pandemic hit. Oh, remember? <laughs> oh my God! And oh then, God. and then you you moved to New York, where you have been a writer in residence at the Hayden Planetarium. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the um, astrophysics team at the uh, American Museum of uh, Natural History. So I've kind of been here on and off since May 2019. And here solidly, like I said, from like March last year, when the play. (laughs) God, do you remember? (laughs) Oh my God, it was hideous. I I, I tell you what, my overriding memory of that crazy week was was sitting there on press nights yeah by us aside watching one of the most electrifying exciting visceral performances i've ever seen on any stage ever like let's put up let's put aside my role in this <laughs> but watching this production with these actors you know like the lights the direction the sound the fucking heat that you two were 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 kind of making on that stage with this equal mix of absolute pride in what we'd achieved and how gorgeous this was. And like watching the auditorium, all of these people lapping it up. Everyone was on the front of their seats, just like really like connected with you guys. And then suddenly about halfway through just bursting into tears and not being able to stop myself from like uncontrollably sobbing in my seats because I knew we were going to be called off by the end of the week. And that is like literally like this kind of equal mix of just like, Ah, <laughs> that was very confusing and then knowing that because it was press night you know obviously like press are there and people want to talk to you or whatever mm. so having to leave the second you guys started getting the applause to just pull my shit together and basically just like going out the back of the theatre and chain smoking <laughs> sitting in kind of on the curb just like oh my god I'm gonna go and face people now <laughs> yeah and then just like walking back in and I don't know I think it was Ed Ed our producer um kind of saw me grabbed me took me to the bar gave me like a double shot of whiskey 
<laughs> pull yourself together. You got to go and just schmooze. <laughs> Which is like, okay, I've got this. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, God, the play, <sighs> play, the play, and, and then the plague. Yeah. And I, then the plague wouldn't it have closed a month, a month, a year tomorrow? It was till April the second, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's right. We had uh, all kinds of dates, but then there might have been further dates. You know, there there were still negotiations, weren't there? So yeah, yeah, we yeah. might have the still been doing it. On yeah, 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 yeah. Who, yeah, who knows? I'd, who knows? Yeah, I wonder. We will be a phoenix on. that rises from those flames. Yes, right. Uh, but there's so many phoenixes ri- rising from such a big furnace. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, of course, of course. Um, one of my one of my abiding memories from from that week. Um, <laughs> this is so silly, but um, it was during a, a matinee. I was after a matinee, um, and so you know, throughout the whole week, the 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 subtext, like you say, was growing of like. Any minute now, we're going to be yanked and the world is going to stop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember finishing the play, going going into the, the gents for a piss. And this old boy is in there and he's finishing up. And he he, he, he walks out and I kind of look at him and he looks at me and he's like, right, yeah, got to behave well now, haven't we? And he goes over and washes his hands and then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta behave well. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's how prepared he was. <laughs> That's how prepared he was. I better wash my hands after I kiss. Um standard buddy. Standard. Uh no, no. That's hilarious. But just yeah, also like that deep seated denialism. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like knowing that this this thing was kind of suddenly unfolding and that London was very much suddenly taking it seriously. Um, and just kind of going, no, it can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. Mm. But then suddenly it just escalated. Like, it really snowballed in like a couple of days, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. Like until the Tuesday or the Wednesday up until like the Friday, it was like we are we are in the middle of a shit show that is about to unfold. And I remember because um, we had the talk on the Saturday night, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And um, and the producers really wanted me to come and do it. And I was going, I can't, I'm just not going to be able to. I have to go back to New York. If I don't go back to New York, I'm going to get stuck here. Yeah. Um, and then rushing back on the Friday, like changing my flights. Oh, and I booked this really fancy hotel um, because my partner was flying over from New York. Um, so I booked this, like, this really nice hotel mm. um, and then had to abandon that. <laughs> Friday, and he couldn't get on a plane from um, oh, they'd you know, already a, a bunch of people, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a bunch of people, um, were saying to me, you know, in America, who were going to fly over that, like, they couldn't, they the flights were being cancelled and stuff. Mm. So, I just remember getting on a flight on the Friday, it was Friday the 13th, <laughs> and um, no irony, um, and getting into the airport, um. A JFK and it was just chaotic it was just crazy and the kind of the like there were like all of these like police and like special like I mean not like army people but like special something and, and you know I've not been long enough they're long enough to know all the um, uniforms but, but we they, they have being, they have big guns 
Yeah, yeah, and we were being herded into lines, basically. And which is also, you know, as a Jewish person, what? <laughs> like, well, what the fuck has happened? Do you know what I mean? And I was just kind of very much in that airport. Actually, it was very efficient. I got in and out of the airport really quickly. But I remember just like being like in fear um, of like what I walked into. Um, because America are taking it, suddenly taking it very, very seriously. And, you know, obviously the orange idiot mm. had, um, you know, finally decided that he was closing borders that weekend. Um, so I think I was on like one of the last flights that they let into the country, basically. Amazing. Cause then it was closed for months, wasn't it? Yeah. And actually because of, um, the nature of things, um, I am, if I leave the country now, I'm not going to be allowed back in. Oh, basically because yeah. still because of the borders being closed and having to have special permission to travel yeah basically even so, with um, even with your your visa yeah even with my visa oh. yeah 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 yeah. the only people who can travel freely are green card holders and um and citizens and because i'm not a green card holder or a citizen i'm on like a, a, a an alien of extraordinary ability visa um oh, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> what superpowers just, do you have <laughs> Uh, <laughs> shh, don't tell anyone there are none <laughs> um, ridiculous very talented I know, it's ridiculous oh, but you know what the bit that i i i like the most about that is the alien bit I'm yeah right alien. Uh, you're a legal uh, alien i'm legal i'm an englishman in new york <laughs> um so but yeah because well i got back in because you could get at the time you could get special permission if you're an artist and actually um, I got the permission because uh, one of the gigs that I was doing, um, there were like a whole bunch of American jobs on the line. Like if I didn't mm. do it, they just weren't going to replace me, basically. Right. Um, so that's how I got permission to when I flew out to get, because also getting a visa in the middle of a pandemic I mean, is just a shit show. Yeah. Um, and that was like a whole next level stress too. Um, and I finally managed and like the London consulate. would. I, I got I got it, uh, but then the no consulate would issue it basically, around the world. Um, and I finally managed to get an appointment in the Netherlands. Um, and then they <laughs> expedited it because we had like two gigs that were supposed to be starting in, in the autumn. I nearly said before then. Um, nice. and, um, and, I, um, and yeah, they gave me, and I remember just being armed. I had like this folder of like 130 pages because I'd been talking to like senators and oh i mean just like a whole mass of people were like trying to get me this visa and get me if i left getting me back in and i managed to get the special permission to come back because of you know the jobs were going to get cancelled and there were a whole bunch of people as i say their jobs were on the line if i didn't get right. it um and i got that special permission but joe biden took that away about a month ago for artists um so if i leave right now i'm never going to be well not never but i'm not going to be allowed to come back in oh which is just interesting and you know look i've got i'd love to come back and see people and see my town stuff but um you know i'm kind of happy just being here so it's fine right but yeah i mean the the, the the kind of when i look and this brings it back to play when i look at the just the severe mishandling of this between probably december 2019 and kind of march 2020 and what could have been avoided if people had just got their act into gear and taken this seriously Right. Basically. Yeah, there was a lot of sticking the head in the sand, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, like completely. And even, I guess, before that, I think in the run-up to it, you know, uh, I think there were there were things in America where, like, Trump had just got rid of the kind of the medical people, like, who tell you that shit and know what their official titles are. And I'm sure, you know, Boris 
idiot did exactly the same thing um so yeah i mean wow i know and it's just crazy how he just fell over like just literally the world just kind of went okay it crumpled it crumpled and it's only just now sort of unfolding isn't it um yeah cautiously but irrevocably as boris keeps on saying um i mean what does that even mean (laughs) that means he really doesn't want to have to lock it down again (laughs) i know i know And, and i guess look there's a lot of things i don't like about boris johnson obviously i'm like you know um very left wing but you know i guess the one thing that i will say in the man's favor in a way is he's a libertarian he believes in freedom he's literally you know and that's partly because you know he just wants to be able to do whatever he wants to do it comes from a really personal place i'm probably gonna get sued now for like defamation (laughs) um but you know so i can see that actually i genuinely believe you know obviously i'm from afar and watching the news i genuinely believe he actually really doesn't want to lock things down Mm -hmm. and he wants the world to happen and he wants you know the markets to work and he wants the arts or whatever because you know he you know he clearly believes in freedom and he and he Mm -hmm. you know has that belief in himself that he's some kind of 17th century dandy being a libertarian all over the world do you know what i mean like yeah. he's ridiculous i was reading that story about him like quoting shakespeare when he was having an affair and it's just like oh what? no wait i don't know this is this public knowledge know no tell me the story yeah, yeah yeah it was in the newspapers at the weekend so he's you know he obviously has never been able to quite keep it in his pants right, right. you hear about it all. i'm so getting sued for allegedly we just say allegedly but allegedly, I think it's allegedly, allegedly. quite a few allegations at this point but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, look, I don't know the man. I've never met him. I'm literally going on on um, what I read. Um, and I'm a writer, so obviously hyperbole is part of my shtick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, apparently he's been having an affair with this like, uh, or had like a four year old something affair with this Californian woman. Um, mm-hmm. Jennifer R. Curie. Yeah, her. Yeah. Um, and so she did this hit, or someone did a hit piece where they quoted her at the weekend, where apparently he would like quote Shakespeare to her or something. I might get the story wrong because I try not to engage with him too much. But yeah, I read some like headline about something to do with him, you know, what? getting stuck in with a Shakespeare quote. As pillow talk, <laughs> as, as you know. As pillow talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, look, frankly, as a gay man, I think I'd rather the Shakespeare pillow talk than some of the ridiculous porny shit that I hear. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe some, you know, some middle ground could be found. Some middle ground <laughs> I don't know. Could be found. <laughs> yeah. So, who knows? Who knows, Who knows indeed, yeah. Who knows? How did we even get onto that? Oh, lockdown libertarianism. Lockdown, yeah. We're, we're covering loads of ground here. But did you manage um, to, so did you manage to get, you know, you got the visa, you had this crazy flying to the Netherlands oh, and yeah, back yeah, and yeah, going yeah, to the yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think yeah, we hadn't quite finished on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry. I was so prepared because um, because I'd been on, like, um, I they'd been extending essentially a version of my Esther because I was traveling back and forth uh, um, and they'd been extending um, since June under the kind of emergency whatevers. Um, Mm. And because they knew that I had a visa in process, which was taking forever, basically, Mm. um, they were just extending my ability to stay. And then I got the visa approval in july i think it was like the day after my birthday which is like a really happy birthday me um and i was very excited but then it slowly dawned on me that i then needed to have it issued and that was a whole new ball like um so i got like um 
as we were trying to get this sorted and it was becoming very clear that this was going to be very, very difficult. We got and some friends here, we got a whole bunch of like political people involved who were like really trying to fight this cause for me. That's amazing. Um, yeah, you said yeah, sen- yeah, yeah. senator? A senator? Uh, yeah, a senator in um, in California who's, uh, I won't say. Who, yeah, no, of course. I don't want to get them into trouble. And a, and, a, and a house rep in New York, my, my house rep in New York, their office were trying to get it. And then like a Polish ambassador got herself involved. <laughs> Um, and they're all trying to basically just go like essentially to the London or like I think the American people were basically trying to say this is ridiculous Department of like Justice or whoever this is ridiculous just issue you know usually you wouldn't do this but just issue this visa in America like normally you have to go and come back but it's like just issue it here he can go to the United Nations which is technically international ground we have like an office or whatever there just give the guy his visa basically like don't force him to travel in the middle of a pandemic Mm. basically when we're seeing that travel is really problematic um and upend someone's life you know you're being ridiculous and like the and in the meantime i'm talking to the department of i can't remember the exact title of the department but the people who basically like look after borders is that uh, homeland security yeah homeland security because they're basically saying look the head of homeland security is basically saying to me i am happy to extend your your temporary visa like, I have no problem with this. You're doing everything right. You're not a threat. You're not, like, <clears throat> trying to, excuse me, illegally immigrate here. You know, all your paperwork is in order. You've done everything properly. You're being held up by some ridiculous rules that people aren't prepared to bend, essentially, and they should. So this guy is essentially saying, like, I'm trying to make this work for you, but he's being told no. Um, so essentially, I was kind of forced to leave. Um, and then in the meantime, uh, no other consulate around the world is prepared to see me because they don't. There was this stupid thing in the presidential proclamation that didn't count my visa class, but it counted other visa classes. So people like some bureaucrats who were basically taking the word as the letter were basically saying, we're going to cover all, you know, non-residents work visas. Um, But basically the people in the Netherlands sensible and they were basically saying, this doesn't cover that. That's not what this says. So yes, we can issue your visa. So come here. Basically. So the, the the Americans in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, are the only and then basically, you know, ones. the culture, the culture in the Netherlands is that art is is valid, essentially, right. and important, and just as important to the the ecosystem. Because, as I say, there was a, a couple of really big projects that I was involved in, and and you know, jobs were actually yeah. on the line. But they, so, so they gave you myself. it. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was really funny. I armed myself with this folder that was like 130 pages long that had all of my documentation and all of these appointments that I'd kind of tried to then get around the world. And as I say, the London consulate weren't having any of it. The only um, the only appointment they would give me was August the 25th, 2021. So I still wouldn't have it, basically, and they wouldn't expedite it. Um, and the Netherlands gave me an appointment in January because they were basically like, get how, how you have to do it is you have to get a, a standard appointment and then you ex- then you have to apply for an expedited appointment to push it up as an emergency issue if your job that you're supposed to start isn't within 30 days of that, is like more than 30 days away from that initial appointment, they'd see you. And my one of the jobs was starting on the 1st of October. And we're in August now, basically. Mm. So um, I, get the, I get the appointment in January and then they allow me to expedite it, but you still don't know if they're going to issue it there yeah. and then. So I fly, I, and basically because of like the whole of the way the lockdowns are working and having to like stay somewhere for two weeks, and I'm not allowed to fly directly from America to the Netherlands. I'm only allowed to fly to Britain because I'm a British citizen. So I have to fly to Britain. I have to lock down for two weeks. 
you know, and so I stayed with my friend in Oxfordshire and basically stayed in, in a Liv, the, you know, one of our co-producers okay. on the play. Um, so I stayed with Liv and that was lovely. And I just stayed in a beautiful house there and we just hung out for a couple of weeks. And then I flew to the Netherlands and stayed with my friend. I've got a really close friend there actually. So that worked out well too. Um, and then I go for this appointment, really, like really, really prepared, <laughs> thinking I'm going to be really drilled because I've been really warned by my lawyers that I was going to get a really, really hard time, right. basically. And they were really going to like, you know, take me to account. Why is this important? Blah, 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 blah. And I was confident that, you know, it was and I was, you know, being honest and, and everything was in place. Um mm. And they basically saw me for like five minutes. <laughs> it's fine. Went, yeah. Of course we give you the visa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'd read the paperwork and they were like, yeah, this is completely valid, of course. <laughs> um, and what had happened was because of the way the dates had fallen, I think I'd overstayed by about four days, which I was really worried about. But it's because I didn't want to leave until I knew that I had this appointment. Mm. Um, and the guy who runs like the East Coast um, Border Patrol thing um, is based out of JFK. So he told me, uh, he was a, a really top dude. He was like, we'd been, you know, in contact quite a lot. And we spoke on the phone a few times. And he was like, print out all these emails, just arm yourself. You know, my team's on your side, basically. But he mm. said, when you fly back to JFK, he's like, fly back between these hours because I'll be in the office here in person. He's like, so just in case I get someone who's, who's a little bit, you know, sees yeah. this and thinks there's a worry. Yeah. You can just say my name and they'll call me and I'll say we've been in conversation and we're good to go just in case you get any problems. So I'm like, great. What I didn't know is that when you fly through Dublin, the US Border Patrol is actually in Dublin, essentially. So you do everything that you do in New York, but in Ireland. Oh. And the fly, yeah, and it's great. So basically, it, in a normal world, that would be great because you just you know, do your thing while you're waiting for your plane. And when you get to JFK, you just get off the plane you and just go out. Yeah. But obviously I didn't know that was a thing. And those guys, those guys there don't know me or my story. So <laughs> I had like this really easy time in, in, in Amsterdam. And then basically could, could make it work that I could fly to Dublin and just swap over planes. And I wouldn't technically have to go and stay anywhere for two weeks because I was only in the airport. Um, and just come directly back to New York. Um, so I get to Dublin, and that's when I got the interview that I was expecting to have in Amsterdam. The grilling. And it was oh my God, it was tough. It was yeah. really tough. Basically, they grilled me, and they held me there, and they took away my passport and all my documentation and my visa and everything, and they stuck me in a room and asked me every conceivable question, you know, and it was fine. They were great. And, they, you know, they were polite, but they were like, we have to do this because of the time that we're in. And I'm going, just call this guy in New York. Please just call this guy in New York. <laughs> He's going to vouch for me. And then at one point they went away for 15 minutes and they, they've left me where they with no phone or anything. I'm petrified. Yeah. I'm like, I'm I, like, they're going to send me back. But they didn't. Basically, they were amazing. And, you know, they let me through. And yeah. My God! Now I have a three-year visa, which is great. Brilliant! Well, that's amazing. What a, what a complicated series of chess moves that you had to do to go through that. I mean, what I would... mean, it was literally three D chess. It's so, so crazy. Like... You're hopping around the world, but having hopping to fucking self isolate every step of the way. Every step of the way. <laughs> actually, never got to see anyone at all. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. also the UK government are really hot on it. What's, what was really interesting is like, as I was traveling, was like really interesting to see what people take really seriously, what people don't. Mm. Like, so for instance, in England, 
I like look one day I went to the shop because I needed to go and buy something. And you know, I was wearing a mask in the street as I went to the to the store, mm. and people were looking at me like I was a nutter, mm. basically, and like like really weirdly because you know the culture. I don't know what it's like now, but the culture at the time was people weren't wearing masks in the streets. Now, if you you were in New York without a mask in the street, I mean, you would literally get yelled at. Like someone would mm. tell you what an f word dick you are. Mm. Um, but then in New York, we've been we've you know our lockdowns haven't been as strict we've been allowed to see people and do things and you know create kind of little bubbles so i've never really felt lonely because i think there were there there was a bunch of us who hung out together anyway in new york and we decided that we'd just be really safe and only hang out with each other and see each other regularly essentially that's great so we didn't have that crazy one household one person in the park for 15 minutes and 32 seconds rule that you guys have had (laughs) um so that was really fascinating. And then obviously the Netherlands, they were just like gung-ho about the whole thing. Super chill, Do you right? know what I mean? Yeah, yeah really super chill. I think they were only just starting to go into some kind of lockdown. Um, yeah. Like that week, basically, where they were like, you know, we, 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 we and their version of the lockdown was like, we're going to close football. <laughs> <laughs> thing was like the most horrific thing you could ever do to a Dutch yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like you football. the football. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, yeah, but... Wow. It got, I got done. It got done, and I got to travel a little bit, and hopefully next time... Like, I'm really hoping everything gets itself sorted out by the summer, because I'd just love to come home and see everyone. Like, mm. I, you know, it's been a year since I've seen my friends and my family and mm. stuff. Um, and it'd just be, you know, with you guys from play, it'd just be, like, really lovely to just, like, see everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. June 21st, mate. Cautiously, cautiously but irrevocably june the 21st is the day cautiously but irrevocably <laughs> okay he's i mean irrevocably of course he quite shakespeare to his girlfriend of course he does <laughs> but also shakespeare's really obvious you think you know he obviously knows his classics why isn't he quoting webster i'd be way more impressed if he was quoting from like the duchess of malfi or the white devil I, I you know bet, what i mean yeah i bet he quotes churchill all the time as well just around the house oh you know God. strutting around because he thinks he's churchill yes. doesn't he yeah, I mean, like, yeah. he really thinks he's churchill he always did yeah exactly and yeah I, the one thing i mean we won't talk about politics too much but the the one thing uh, that i think is kind of almost a saving grace it's like he's, he's so he's been a, a a twat and a racist and a and a cheater and a liar allegedly, uh, allegedly. um <laughs> although some of this is in print of course um his course. whole in his, his own like, yeah, newspaper yeah exactly so his whole life and and he finally actually gets to become prime minister, which is like so fucking ridiculous that it's laughable that it, it somehow Ow. happens. And for me, the saving grace being like he doesn't actually get to really do do enjoy being prime minister because straight away it's 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 shitty lockdown and he has to be on TV apologising for how awful it is. I think this is his penance. <laughs> this is totally his penance. Karma works beautifully in a really beautiful way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hope <laughs> you so. You know, it's like Theresa May, like before him, you know, like the, the shit show she got with Brexit, you know, and I never particularly felt sorry for her because no. I thought her time in the home office, she oh ruled God. over some of like the worst and she, you know, she deserved everything that she had. Yeah. But the just the irony there that she voted against Brexit and then because she's like, you know, she's the very definition in many ways of the banality of evil, that she's like one of those kind of public yeah. servants who will follow the letter, 
because they have to and they've been voted to it and you know will never apply any kind of um personal judgment to that um so the fact that she had to deal with this thing that she didn't believe in but had to do it was just such poetic justice mm-hmm. and that was the sword she fell on you know mm-hmm. and similarly with this idiot of a man you know that he's had to deal with it you know as we say it's just something beautiful about the fact that a libertarian has to deal with like really almost fascist level levels of like controlling people in their lives and their movements yeah. but and also you know, having to push forward like the most um generous social welfare state package I mean, like ever I from mean, these when when did britain become a communist there's just something <laughs> so beautiful about the fact that essentially britain has become a socialist country do you know what I mean? There's something so beautiful about it. It's so weird. Like, Stephen, on the tube, there aren't adverts anymore. It's just, it is like, there's just sta- statements from the government. Do you know what I mean? That's all really? it is. Really? Yes, because no one's advertising anything anymore. So it's all like, keep your distance, wear your mask, stay home. Do you know, it really oh, feels like you're oh, like yeah. a different country. It's very weird. I know, like, like Rishi Sunak basically <laughs> being like the communist head of the purse. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, you yeah. know, if nothing else, I mean, it just goes to show you that maybe something like a, um, oh my God, where's my vocabulary gone? Um, what's that payment thing that everyone has been talking about? Where's my vocabulary what gone? Thing? I haven't had what enough thing? coffee. Um, where you just give everyone like oh, a universal you, basic UBI, income. Yeah. Universal, yeah, 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 yeah. The fact that, that that is kind of, there's a version of that right now. Certainly in America, there's a version. I mean, like, look, I'm in like this really weird place where I just have to go it alone because I'm not a citizen here yeah. and I'm not there. So I just have to like work it out. Uh, but basically, yeah, like the benefits that some people are getting here is essentially just a universal basic income here. And it's been re- like, it's way more generous actually than, than in the UK. Um, wow. So a lot of my Good. friends here, are doing really like much better than they ever were when they were struggling artists and they're able to make great art so i know a bunch of people who've been making like films and you know just like doing shit basically because it, you know there's essentially a universal basic income and and so they're flourishing there's kind of an artistic renaissance in a way wow um yeah yeah it's, it's really interesting mm, brilliant well um, i mean yeah speaking of which why don't you tell me about some of the the work that you've been you've been up to i mean whatever you can talk about obviously <laughs> <laughs> i i mean like look i mean not a lot was happening like at first i mean i was when the play first got called off i had a week of just hell where mm. i think i had three plays a tv series and and a potential film uh cancelled that week oh. which hurt like fucking hell and then basically the main funding source of my um of my residency died as well like the week after so i think in the space of about three weeks i lost something like and this makes me sound like i was earning at this level and i don't i'd been you know like making it work for years but it was like the first year where it looked as if i was going to do well and i think i lost something like 140 grand in like three weeks (laughs) and i was like no, <laughs> no, and I don't, look. I don't care. Like I'm not. You know, I don't give a fuck ultimately about. No, me, but, but it's, what it's that about the, was yeah, security. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it was like a year's worth of projects just kind of fell away, and I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do?" Um, and that was hard. That was like really hard. Um, yeah, and the I remember that. when I remember when it happened. I'm like, one of the first things I read was like, you know. During the plague, Shakespeare wrote um, Hamlet, you know, so and I was like, you know, I'm not feeling very inspired right now. Thank you very much. Um, But 
after that, after that initial, like you were saying, that that horrible having everything taken away from you, how did you manage to rebound from that and get back to being creative? Well, like <clears throat> I went into like, excuse me, sorry, my throat's a bit dry. Let me have to drink of water. Um, I went into a deep, dark depression for a little while. Yep, been there. <coughs> might excuse might me, still be there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I went into a very deep, dark depression that wasn't great. Um, no, so awful. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's alright. We and you know we can. Um, one can talk about that in a whole other whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, and then but what is beautiful actually about hitting a really dark place in your soul um is and 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 hitting a really um because part of that as well was just um in the run-up to all of this happening i I suddenly found myself really busy um in a way that was very exciting Mm. and obviously people were very interested suddenly in working with me because of the success of the play and you know i've been building a reputation over the last couple of years Mm. and you know i've been doing like little bits of tv stuff and what have you um so people were like suddenly really interested in working with me and so i'd had a lot of projects on so in the run-up to play and and then moving to america i was flying back and forth with with fair regularity and i was really busy and making a new life here and and all that kind of stuff so i was also fucking like exhausted Mm. like exhausted so i kind of crashed and burned in in a in a kind of really big way in like may april april and may last year and what was really good about that is that I was forced to just stop, basically, mm. to just not do nothing, to not do nothing, not do nothing, no, not, not do, do anything, nothing. <laughs> not, do not do anything for like a, a month or two, basically. Yeah. And that was really great on like a really personal level. And it gave me a place where I could start to rebuild up all of those, all of those kind of really teeny uh, niggles that like get into your soul and and fuck mm. us up daily right mm. so that gave me the opportunity to do that in one way so that's been really great but also in terms of creativity i had the freedom to do what i wanted to do for the first time since i did my master's degree at central which i remember when i moved over from before i was a writer i was a producer and when one of the best things about the kind of year or so i took when i went to central to kind of retrain as a writer um, it was one of the most fruitful experiences in my life because I suddenly got to have a year where I got to do creatively everything that I wanted. Mm. It was all on like my uh, impetus. It, it was yeah, 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 yeah. No one was telling me what to write. No one was telling me what to do, and I wasn't responding, whether you know overtly or covertly. I wasn't responding to what I thought the industry wanted or needed. Which, as I've you know, gr- as my career has grown, and I you know I've, I've been doing well. I'm really lucky. Um, but part of that thing has been I'm responding to what the industry expects or what mm. people are telling me in meetings or whatever. Mm. What happened basically was I got to just write what I wanted, mm. which I haven't been able to do for ages because also I banked up, you know, especially in terms of theatre. I, you know, I, I, I had three plays at various stages and another one that I'd written that was just sitting there. So for all intents and purposes, I've got like, you know, and I've got obviously the backlog of my work as well. Mm. So for all intents and purposes, it was very much like, I don't need to, when the theatre opens or whatever, you know, you know, we'll do, we'll do One Jewish Boy again. My play run, there was like a whole bunch of, um, and there's been a whole bunch of productions around the world of that, that have been starting and stopping. So they were going to go. Velocity, the play that I was writing at the museum, that was going to go up again. Giants, which is this thing that I was, I've been doing with Roman Clay, um, who really exciting mm. theatre company. 
um you know that looked as if that was going to happen again at some other point so i just got to sit down and write what i wanted so i basically have written a whole new bunch of work essentially um so that was kind of fun and i was doing that for essentially for free basically um just just because i wanted to just get ahead of the game then in august last year I got a commission really randomly um, from this really cool science um, and art theatre company here in the UK. Um, so that was great because it was suddenly like, oh, I got a paid job, yeah. which was really, really nice. So that like that was ticking over. Um, and then I have, uh, like, my life is full of tragic stories. Um, <laughs> there is a really really sad story about a um my childhood best friend basically when i was a little boy she was um this is really dark okay where we all right i'm strapping in um, it's called so, the bliss okay. of the abyss don't worry yeah yeah so like people like really trigger warning um because this is going to get dark um so my childhood best friend um she was murdered by her mother basically um when she was about eight and i was about five um and I, I remember her, I remember her being there and I remember her not being there. And I remember asking my mum what, like where she'd gone at some point. And my mum said, you know, cause I was still a kid, she'd yeah. gone to heaven and she'd tell me about it when I was a little bit older. And she told me the sad story when I was a teenager, basically about what had happened. And her mum had like really major mental health issues that just kind of had been failed by the system essentially. Um, and yeah, she, she sadly ended up killing her daughter um, and then committing suicide in, in prison. Um, really, really dark. But I've always wanted to honour this, this, this girl in some way, yeah. basically. Um, so I'd been what, part of my residency, obviously, you know, I'm doing space stuff, you know, because I'm working with astrophysics. And I've been wanting to write a, um, a sci-fi movie uh, for a while. And I've been working with this. <clears throat> I'm so sorry about my throat. I don't know what's going it's on. Fine. It's certainly not COVID. I got um, <laughs> I got the vaccine a couple of weeks ago. Um, nice. So um, yeah, yeah, he's good. I'm a Johnson's baby. Um, Ooh, just the one and done. Very nice. Just the one and done, but like fever dreams for three days. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So uh, this is director Ryan Andrews, uh, who uh, we've been wanting to do something for a little while, and we tried to get a couple of features up. And because he makes music videos and I make theatre, people like we need to see more like narrative short film from you guys. Mm-hmm. And Liv, who you know, my friend, who was also one of the co-producers on the show and the producer of the original show she's been wanting to cross over into theater and theater into film mm. um so the three of us were like talking about what we could do together and you know there is a pot of money there so we were like let's make a short together so i wrote this short about um a girl uh who um her sister you know basically taking the story of my friend but yeah. making it her little sister and that that little sister was obsessed by space and jupiter in particular and it's set in the future and essentially her sister to honor so the the, the younger sister is called sienna the older sister is called amber sienna is the one who follows the story of my friend and she's murdered by their mother um so to honor sienna amber becomes an astronaut and becomes the first woman when life is found during uh the europa clipper which is a mission that's supposed to go in 2025 to europa and we we kind of project that life is found in the oceans on europa and mm. it's 10 years after that 
and she's the first, she's an astrobiologist and she's the first person to go and do this mission in honor of her sister so we've been making that film over the pandemic basically and that's been the main thing so we've been making it as a short whilst i've been and uh, live managed to go away and get a little bit of like little bit of money uh, so I could kind of sit down and write the feature version whilst we were finishing off the feet. We shot it just before um, before lockdown, but we did a few little solo pickups basically mm. over like the last year and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we've been doing all the special effects. So basically we finished that film. That's been the main thing that has been keeping us going over lockdown. And we finished it like three days ago. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah, just in time for the can uh short film deadline so we entered can yesterday oh, wow. basically like by the skin of our teeth oh, amazing um, yeah and i finished the movie feature version of it like a week and a half ago and so that's out with a couple of script editors that i know and script readers so i can and with my agents basically hmm. um so yeah it was my, i've mainly been doing that and this other little project there's i've just been commissioned to write this um <clears throat> There's a really cute theatre here that does uh, puppetry stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to be okay for me to talk about this because uh, we're not announced yet. And actually, they're having a, a, a conversation with agent today. But, you know, they're going to be fine about me talking about it. Um, do you know the story of, Han- of um, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins? Uh, no, I do not. That sounds great. Oh, my God, Rob. It is so gorgeous. Text me your address and I'm, I'm going to send you a copy on Amazon. Um, <laughs> it is the most gorgeous story it's about it's like kind of set in europe i guess in the 1900s and it's about this guy herschel and he's going home to the shtetl basically Mm -hmm. and um hanukkah and he gets to the top of the hill and he looks down at the village and he can't see any hanukkahs lit and he's like what it's the first day of hanukkah and he gets down there and he's they're basically the goblins are in the synagogue and they won't let us they hate hanukkah they won't let us celebrate hanukkah so he basically has to go in and fool the goblins for eight days so he can save hanukkah and it's the most delightful story like it's like this beautiful little kid story written by this guy Eric Kimmel and it's so gorgeous and anyway uh one of my friends is basically the artistic director of this puppet theater in Maryland and she has a beautiful almost Jim Henson like aesthetic mm. and I'd never normally write for this kind of audience essentially so out of my like um armory and she got in touch and she's like I you know I thought of this story and you know I got the rights to it we want to do it as our Hanukkah show this year and you know you were the first person that sprung to mind because of your kind of little twisted sensibility i think we can do something really magical would you do it and i'm like fuck yeah and that'd be like it's something i never consider something really really fun so um, i've got a meeting with the art with the author next week who's this delightful little brooklyn jewish guy who now like lives out west mm. who's like literally like do what you want with it basically right. and he's like one of the things, he's like when i wrote it one of the things i really didn't think about uh didn't do was like there weren't enough female characters in it and it was really funny because one of the things i was thinking of is that i wanted the final battle to be with a goblin queen do you know what i mean because yeah. I, like, I just like the idea of like you know the most powerful deities are always the female ones yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah looking yeah. at judaism what i love is that we have like the shekinah which is like kind of like you know the female god the god that walks amongst us and the only kind of female variation of a god that we get in any abrahamic religion and you know because she's the one that walks amongst us as far as i'm concerned she's the most powerful one and the one that i think of whenever i'm in synagogue so like you know that's gonna i I think i might bring her into it as well so yeah so i'm gonna i'm about to start that and then in the meantime i've been having conversations with you know all of our producers about what we're going to do next so 
you know, I think you'll be pleased to hear that the ad guys are very much on board with the fact that we're going to be doing this, you know, one Jewish boy next year. And yes. (laughs) And, you know, Giants, which is the one I've been doing with Robin Clay, that looks like we're going to be doing something in Australia next year. Um, So I'm excited about that. And, you know, the people who are doing Run are up and we want to do Velocity. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Busy March. How do you fit? How do you fit all this in? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's Badly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm behind on all my deadlines. I like, oh, so many people work. Like, uh, my friend Dan just wrote, who I'm staying with, has just written this amazing piece in the New York Times that we're trying to option for a TV series. And my writing partners here in America are like literally waiting for me. Oh, and I've also been doing a cooking show. What? <laughs> oh my god, I completely forgot about that. Okay, so my friend Lucy Paul, who is just awesome, uh, she does this cooking show and I did uh just as a laugh, she's a stand-up comedian, she's fucking hilarious. And I did, I went on as a guest about two months ago, and our chemistry was just insane. And I think the show did really, really well that we were on. So we've been making our own cooking show. Uh, we're going to call it some because she's a comedian. We're going to call it some, something smells funny, basically. <laughs> so we just shot episode one, which is like you know co-titled uh, a playwright speak comedian walk into a kitchen, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the idea being that basically we just kind of just cook shit and have a laugh and you know fun be dickheads in a kitchen. So yeah, we've been doing that as well. So uh-huh. yeah, essentially. I do it all by the skin of my pants being vaguely unfocused. <laughs> and, and, and every time I'm late for a deadline, asking for another three days, the smiling at them charmingly and hoping that they'll know that it's just because I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff and, and make sure the quality of that stuff is good. How, 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 um, how much do you sort of stick to a routine? Are you like, you know, I'm up at nine and 9.30 till 11 I write, then I take my constitutional and then I'm back. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> take my constitutional. <laughs> so um, as, as anyone who follows me on Instagram will know, I adopted a puppy about six weeks before lockdown happened. Shout out and to Casper. Yeah, little Casper. Oh my God, he's so gorgeous. Can't wait to move. Um, so, and I actually, when I adopted him, he's a rescue from Kentucky. Um, and when I adopted him, because we were about to go into rehearsals, I asked the foster parents if they could hold on to him until I got back from England with the play. And they were like, no, we can't. If you want him, you've got to take him now. Mm. So I was like, fine, okay, I'll take him. And then how I put, dealt with being away is I just put him in puppy training school. Um, the first time and then the second time, like my boyfriend looked after him. Mm. Um, so, um, because of Casper, I have to follow a routine, basically. So, however, it go, slightly goes to pot now because Casper's now a teenage boy. So I live with a teenage boy and everything that that entails. And the major thing that that entails is that little bugger is not getting up in the morning. He's <laughs> getting uh, out of bed. I mean, literally force him up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we get up somewhere between the 7.30 and 8.30 mark. And then I need coffee and the morning news and just to answer emails and social media and, you know, catch up with London, you know, because I'm, mm. I'm also managing a career in two, in two countries, in two cities, essentially. I've been trying to make sure that my London career is still working and I'm still part of that scene whilst being in New York. Right. So mornings are really useful. Um, and then we then go for a really long walk in the morning, basically. Um, and that's a great thing because I can get some exercise and I can think and I can plan my day. 
And then I tend to just like sit down and work really solidly until like maybe 1.30ish and then I'll have some lunch. So it tends to be, I'm the most creative in the mornings, basically just mm. after I've had my coffees. So that'll be like hard creative time. And I follow, um, I follow the Pomodoro technique basically, which is where you write for 20 or you work solidly for 25 minutes with no distractions and then you take five minutes off and I use an app for that. And then, so basically the idea is that you do 25 minute rounds of work with five minutes to go to the toilet or like grab your coffee or check your emails or social media or whatever. And then like every two, four cycles, you get 25 minutes to, for a little bit longer. So I do the Pomodoro for a few hours and I actually managed to get quite a lot done. You could probably get a morning's work following that will get me as much work as I would in a full day without it. And then in the afternoon, um, after he's had like his kind of lunchtime walk, that's when I do like the admin stuff and the pitch, you know, because obviously, you know, as a creative, like a good, I'd say before the pandemic, a good 25% of my time was taken over with just career admin, including pitching for the next bunch of work. Like that's more like 50, 50 right now because there are so few opportunities and mm -hmm. there are so many more people out there now in work and whatever. And also I've been trying to find representation as well. So I've managed to get, um, American rep, but, um, you know, also trying to look for a manager and all that kind of stuff because things work slightly different here. Um, so doing all that stuff is like, that's the afternoon job basically. Mm. Um, and then Casper gets fed again around five ish. And then we go for another long walk basically. And then the evenings on my own to kind of just chill out. And I've been very good at being boundary about what's work time and what's personal time and making sure, you know, I think before all this happened, I was, I, you know, I remember in the, in January, I was some nights I was pulling all nighters yeah. and all that kind of shit. I'm never going to do that again. It's so unhealthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I remember you sort of occasionally um, turning up to a rehearsal or, or a meeting or something just completely bleary eyed. And I'd be like, Stephen, you're right. You'd be like, I haven't gone to bed yet. I've been crazily rewriting this whole thing. And I'd be I've like, crazily <laughs> Actually, I remember there was one day, I think it was like the first week of rehearsal. And do you remember I had that like really nightmare stopover in Copenhagen and yeah. I hadn't slept for 36 hours yes. and we had the first rehearsal and I had to do a rewrite that night the second rehearsal and I managed to do it and I think it was the second rehearsal when I was really tired and I don't know who it was and you know I'm not I, you know I, I, I feel like I'm mainly really measured and I don't tend to strop, you know be stroppy or be unreasonable do you know what I mean I think you know like I, I have a genuine I hope touch wood I'm touching my head I hope like I really people see that I genuinely have a good nature and, uh, no, you're horrible. You're a nightmare. You're a, a troll. A nightmare. <laughs> but that afternoon, I was a troll. I actually, he was Asher I shouted at, who I adore. But I shouted at someone. I mean, I was really uncool. I was literally like, don't fuck with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think the question was that unreasonable. And I remember going home that night just thinking, I was such a fucking arsehole this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And it was literally because I had no sleep. And I think I misheard the question, which I'm sure was perfectly reasonable. <laughs> like, what's my motivation or something? I don't know, you're the fucking actor. You <laughs> which I'm never like. Like, I'm always no. like, 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 I promise, like, I'm collaborative and I, you know, I want to give. <laughs> You know, it's, you know, my directors and my, my teams having autonomy in the room, you know, I know that there's a point where I just need to get the fuck out of there and leave you guys to it and just let you enjoy it and enjoy, you know, it's like the way I go into things is, you know, we all go in, learn the process, work out the parameters of where we're in, know the material, know what we have, and then I'm going to fuck off and I'm going to let you do your thing and work it out. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to fall upon things and that's going to be really exciting, you know, and I, yes. I try and 
for the record, the yes, this is this is the Stephen that that I know. Yes, this is yeah, how yeah, he is. You know, <laughs> and I'm you know I'm not precious about like line changes because I understand that you know language is so different and you know we're going to find stuff and I'll mm. I'll work with it basically. You know, as long as I'm a part of that process, I'm really happy to be a part of that process. And you know, I'll always listen to things that aren't working or whatever because things in your head are very different when you start getting them into a room. And I, and actually, I love I love rehearsals. I I kind of wish I was in them a little bit more, but also know that your presence as a writer can be and I don't want to give that pressure. Um, but for me, it's just really fucking fun getting stuck in. But I think that day, <laughs> such a dick. Oh my god, I was such a dick. But you know, you're, you're only you're only human, aren't you? I mean, you literally like yeah. like you said, you you were stretched. It's like well. I think they've they've found studies that like if you if lack of sleep gets to a certain point it's like it's like as bad as being very drunk like the impairment uh, lots, yeah, yeah, lots yeah, of yeah, crashes yeah. on the road and stuff it's just because you're tired it's literally like your body is starting to malfunction so of course yeah. like your brain's going to as well and you're going to hear things wrong and snap and and all the rest of it yeah, but yeah, 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 I'm yeah. really glad to hear that you've you've kind of yeah gone through that and found like a really yeah. healthy way to explore your creativity that's really good I think parameters have to be important and and it's really interesting because when I talk about you know I'll I'll go I'm, I'm often asked to go in and kind of be like a guest lecturer or whatever at various institutions and you know just go in and talk about you know how one playwrights you know from a professional place mm. and one of the things i talk about quite a lot is that it's not just all create it's not all creativity it's not just you know kind of going in there going you know i'm so arty i'm so wonderful look at how amazing and creative i am it's actually you got to think of it in terms of like architecture for instance like you've got to mm. build a structure first you've got to put like the bare bones together <clears throat> that's that's the work the creativity comes with, about where you put the door where you put the window how you're going to design the walls and and i'd never actually applied that <clears throat> sorry excuse me mm. that same structure to the way i approach my work and i was being very fast and loose i mean i've never been fast and loose with deadlines i've always respected that because um you know i respect because i have to respect my own time i think it's really important that i respect other people's time and vice versa um but i would be very fast and loose with how i worked with my time so you know i would sometimes I, I was finding that in New York, for instance, um, and moving here and trying to create a, 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 a kind of New York family, if you like, in a way that I would be working all day in the museum as part of my residency. And then I'd be, you know, out from kind of dinner and then partying until like one or two in the morning or something. And then I'd go back to the museum and I'd work until like maybe six, seven in the morning. And then I'd sleep on, in my office for like three hours and then do meetings and then do all the things. And I'm just like, that is so unhealthy. Yeah. So in a way, the pandemic has been really good at going, you need to apply the same kind of parameters mm. that you would apply to the actual work, to how you approach the work. Right. And to your, oh, to your life, to your, yeah. Do yeah, you, yeah, 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 to my life yeah. and to my practice. And just having downtime. Downtime is so important. Yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. If you can't, if you can't take that walk, I mean, look, I'm really lucky. I live really close to Hudson Park on the river. Again, if you follow my Instagram, like all, all I post is the same bloody picture from the same bloody pier <laughs> on, on the Hudson River and my dog being a dickhead um, with the occasional shout out about an anniversary, about something I might have done. Um, so, but I'm so lucky to have that river just there because yeah. that 
space every day to just go and look at the water and walk for like 30 minutes up and down that river and just clear my head it's just really special and really good for the mental health you know because obviously as I, I kind of alluded to before i had like a pretty big mental health crash in yeah. in, in in the spring and what was great from that was basically going, I'm never going to let this happen again. Mm. I'm j- this is so devastating to the people, not just to myself, but the people around me who care. Like, this can't keep happening in my life. I have to yeah. get on top of this. Yeah. So I think in a way, having the world stop meant that there was lots of time, you know, to really tackle those things. Because essentially my attitude was how how I came out of the dark personal and the dark creative space was to go in a weird way this is an opportunity you know i've gone into this with a really successful play in the west end that was once again critically acclaimed and was but you know by the end i don't know if you know this by the end of that week we were sold out for the entire run i did not know that really yeah we were fucking sold out like like for the whole thing so it was going to be like this like both critical and commercial fucking hit where the guys were even thinking about coming back to the west end after we did the tour into a bigger venue basically um so i went into you know and the the other things that were going on in my life so i I went into the pandemic actually on on a high in a weird way you know reputationally people were interested in working with me so i came in in a really good place so actually what the this year has given me the opportunity to do is actually just put all my ducks in a row Mm -hmm. so when things finally start up again i can go into it looking after myself better and actually armed with a bunch more stuff basically amazing because lest we forget you know this industry is fickle and i've probably only got a good five years (laughs) (laughs) to go in do everything and you get get the fuck out and then go and do my phd and find a nice teaching role somewhere and have babies (laughs) do you know what i mean because this industry takes you in puts you on a platform and then spits you out basically and something's gonna something stupid i've come up and said or done is gonna come up at some point and i'm just gonna get fucking cancelled no (laughs) you're not gonna get cancelled are you well yeah um i'll i'll go on i've never been horrible or mean or like i've never or like hurt anyone but i've probably said some like really daft shit that i never meant and thought was like a really like close to the line joke well (laughs) i don't i don't think you've said that on this one so i don't i don't think you're gonna get cancelled from this from this time together but who i can't speak for what you said in the past Stephen. i don't think i've done anything really bad or said anything really bad i think those are famous last words that every single person who's ever been cancelled has probably said (laughs) i don't think i've done anything really like i know that i've never like 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 did any of the like the sexual or bullying shit like actually yeah. i've been on the other end of that shit right but I've never. But you know i might have said something dodgy do you know what i mean that i thought was funny yeah um uh, because i think well because also actually as we go into like comedy and, and actually we talk about this slightly more broadly i've decided that we're talking about this more broadly by the way okay. um thank you i do genuinely believe that comedy like has to, everything has to be up for grabs we have to be able to laugh about everything yeah, um, I agree. But I'm not sure that that is right now. That is universal. No, it's and obviously, not. I'm not a dickhead. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not sure I'd make jokes about the Holocaust, and I definitely, you know, not make jokes. Uh, you know, and you know, I wouldn't use the N word or anything like that. You know, I'm like sen- I'm a sensitive person. Yeah. But I'm sure I've probably said some. I mean, probably the stuff I've done because I'm gay. I've probably told some very outrageously homophobic jokes. Like yeah, but that, that's that's like that's one of but the one of the few okay. things that's left is you're allowed to make fun of your own group, right? That, own. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, still yeah, 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 yeah. 
that hasn't quite been taken away yet, although it does sort of loom as a possibility. Um, yeah. I mean, the way what do you what do you think of this analogy? This is the way I've been thinking about it: is that comedy is like uh, a tightrope, uh, and any everyone on it is walking on this tightrope, trying to make people laugh. And the problem is the slackness changes and it can suddenly get very taut or very loose. And if you've just been, mm-hmm. if you've not been paying enough attention, you're going to fall off. What do you think? I think that's a great analogy. And actually, I think we can apply that to life, basically. <laughs> <clears throat> but do you know what I mean? Like just in human interactions anyway. I mean, mm. I think like... I think a boundary line is really important. And I actually think you can probably step up to the line. And in some instances, you should step up to the line and things Mm. should be challenged and should, you know, and what comedy is really great at comedy is really good at making us look at things and focus on things. But I think the thing about the slackness is it has to be generous. And I think that's where, you know, on a serious note, I don't really think I'm going to be cancelled because I definitely believe that if ever I being close to the line on any subject and I'm not scared as we've seen with the work that I make yeah, I'm not absolutely. scared of being controversial yeah. and I'm not scared of putting myself on the line and I'm not scared of putting myself in a hard position to tackle something important but I will always do it with generosity and I think that's where that slackness is that maybe some of those people haven't always been generous basically yeah, yeah. and I think I think that it has to come you know and like, I guess one case in point, I guess, was the Kathy Griffin thing where she did the decapitation of Trump. I mean, was that too far? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I've gone back and forth funny. on that. Yeah, it definitely yeah, was funny. It was also funny, but also she was still a human being. Like, you know, the, like when Margaret Thatcher died, the ding dong, the witch is dead jokes that were going around. Yeah. Like, look, I grew up in, in the north, in, well, I'm in the Midlands, but it's the same thing, um, north of Watford <laughs> in the 80s. Like, I saw firsthand the devastation that Margaret Thatcher's policies caused on, on small towns, yeah. you know, firsthand, you know. But do we celebrate a human being who who has family, do we celebrate their death as a good thing? I I don't know. It's so hard you know, to work that out. I think I out. may have partaked as well. Yeah. Like in reflection, like, oh, you know, it's still a fucking human being. Yeah. You know, and then you weigh it up with the intellectual side, like she actually didn't give a fuck about the lives that she ultimately ended. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Donald Trump is an evil fascist man who's done some really bad things in the world. Should we be joking about his decapitation? I honestly don't know. Like when he got deplatformed on twitter i worried about that i worried about what that created yeah like yes he needed to be shut up but should anyone be deep you know should i should a tech company ultimately decide to deplatform a person it's not that i don't think that he shouldn't abide by their rules and it's not Mm. that i don't think that um what he was saying was terrible he incited a riot he's an evil hateful man we were talking about it last night um uh, about, I actually think his kids are way worse, but um, because they're acting in, in a more politic way, he's acting, pu- I mean, he's pure id, he only thinks about himself, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, he's kind of very strategic, but only in a personal way. But what the message of that, the censorship could come back if it's not agreed with by business or whatever, I worry about where that takes us for sure. Like when you follow that down a, mm-hmm. down a road of what that could do, and I do, I mean, I think I talk about it in the play. <clears throat> I am very worried about the left doing the work of the right. Yeah. I'm very worried about that. And I'm worried that the right let us do it, that the right know how to manipulate us into doing their work for them. Things such as censorship and, you know, deplatforming and, and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, and I, 
and again, that doesn't mean that I'm like this huge believer in free speech because I think free speech leads to hate speech. So I don't know that I believe in free speech either. I believe in a version of free speech where hate speech gets punished. Mm. But should that be ultimately taken away? I don't know because if you take something away, that doesn't give us the opportunity to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to talk about it. Right. Do you know the, what I mean? Yeah, there's that, that old maxim that, that good speech is the only counter to hate speech, right? Or bad speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but... know, it's like... <laughs> What's that woman called? The really heinous British one. Uh, um, who is right, really fascist and right. Oh, Katie, really Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so sorry about my throat. Oh, no, she's awful. Fine. She's Haiti, Haiti Copkins, I've heard her called. Katie Co- yeah, 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 her. <laughs> so when we were doing Run, I can't remember what the... What the um, it was when I was in the bunker. Um, and... We were talking, we were going to have a panel. I can't remember what the panel was about, but it was something that she'd been talking about. And I said, you know what? We should invite Katie Hopkins, basically. We should, we should, but you know, and I was like, but the counter to that is then we invite all of these people to debate her. Mm. You know, no one would talk to her. No one would like, people were very much like, if she comes, we're not coming. Basically, we're not going to give her a platform. And I understand that. I do understand that that giving her a platform is ultimately spreading a word. But my approach to that conversation, and in the end, we decided not to do it. But my approach was very much, we should give her a platform, but we should also crowd that platform with other voices Mm. so we can diffuse the message. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know. Like my thought with Donald Trump was, we should flood Donald. We should flood Donald Trump with as as much counter Donald Trump as we can, basically, and point out, you know, like if we'd, you know, like, um, sorry, I, I interrupted you there. Let me just finish this point and then go go on. Um, if we'd in America, because I'm really engaged with American politics, obviously, um, had been better on the left at when he had all that stuff with Putin, Mm. if we started calling him, for instance, Comrade Trump Mm. in the press and ridiculing him in exactly the same way as he would ridicule people on the left, that kind of thing would have really been helpful, (laughs) essentially. Do you know what I mean? Like, Uh, and we're not very good because on the left, we're so, we're so, um, worried, not worried. We're so, we hold honor, like being honourable to such a high extent that sometimes we don't attack in the way that the right would attack us. And I think that we should, essentially. Yeah. We should ridicule the way that they ridicule us um, because then we diffuse their message, basically. Right. By, defla- by deplatforming their message, we give them we give them an echo chamber because they go and find another platform where it's just them and they get no counter argument whatsoever. And in those places, that's where you get things that happen like January the 6th. Yeah. Um, anyway, go on. You were going to say something, and I carried on my thoughts. Sorry, oh, I don't know how to respond to all of that. That's a lot. A lot. I have, <laughs> have loads of thoughts, but yeah, that, uh, some of them have come and gone. I think in the in the whole time you're talking, um, I think uh, yeah. should should there be unfettered freedom to lie? And well, no, 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 right? That's so. So no. it seems it seems logical that that is at least one way that speech has to be limited in some way because unfettered lying leads to hatred and then, you know, that's a slope that goes all the way to fascism. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I very much liked that it was like, this is a lie and here you can find a link to the counter-argument. So that was great. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. But the problem, yeah, I guess the problem is, is it it wasn't stopping him, was it? 
And no. I mean, have you have you looked at any of the um, like the Breitbart's or Infowars or any of those websites? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a really terrible one called Godlike Productions. Oh, um, I don't know that one. where it's unfettered right wing hatred, like literally death to left wing people. Yeah. Yeah, basically yeah, yeah. and it's sexist and misogynist and transphobic and homophobic and you know everything is bad basically. yeah I mean, like it is vile actually I, I reported it to the fbi because they were literally talking about getting guns i landed on there and they were literally talking about starting a revolution and it was like this is dangerous yeah basically that's the so, shit yes. that was going on on parlor as well wasn't it it was like coordinating yeah, 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 attacks yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that it's, yeah yeah it's yeah, like yeah. there's definitely this shouldn't be yeah that that shouldn't be allowed there's no way i mean that's but that's there's no way there's yeah, no yeah, way yeah. right i mean what's the benefit of saying no that is allowable is there, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. is there a counter argument? I can't think of one. Uh, well, then we know who to arrest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> then we absolutely know that we can find that IP address, we can find that person, and we can go around to their house and put them in prison for like literally, you know, extremism and and terrorism. Yeah. You know? Um, so only in that, but yes, and and that's the grey line. Like I don't, I just I don't know because that should absolutely not be allowed. You should not be allowed to have a platform where you can go and organise the death of people that don't politically align with you based on a lie. So yeah, it's just tough. Yeah, it's really hard. It is hard because yeah, we all we, we think of the examples of like okay, here's 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 a nice extreme case where we can say well this is definitely not, and then the further you edge back from that towards uh, something uh, approaching the center ground the harder and grayer it becomes and the less you're able to apply a blanket rule and it has to be case by case and then as soon yeah. as it's case by case people cry foul or favoritism because one judgment is seen as different from the other even though the you know they're the same that they look the same in some way or, or there's some mitigating factor or, or you know, race comes into it or, or gender or, or sexual orientation, all of these kinds of things. And then, like you say, then, then that's when the left really eats itself and destroys itself and holds people to standards that some sometimes just seem impossible, um, especially if it's sort of something off the cuff or, or something sort of throwaway, um, treated as if it's some big statement or or, or, or being. Um, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and actually then in the wider sphere, what that then breeds, which then brings it all the way back to politics, is the left isn't always very good at, um, at, at banding together because we're so caught up in nuance, rightly so. But that means that when it comes down to it, we can't always agree. And so we can't get behind something because of principle. And then mm. again, this is what I worry about. We then do the work of the rights by actually allowing the rights to empower because we didn't agree with like three things out of the 10 things. So we didn't vote. Yeah, and that's definitely this. That's definitely the situation here. I, I don't see how a Labour government is going to get into power anytime soon. But over How's there, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not going to, it's not going to be enough, though. Like being fine mm. is not going to be enough. The, the groundswell of support that the Tories just default have, there has to be something more to overcome that. Um, like it has yeah. to be, you know, the, what, like what, what's a big reason Joe Biden won? Because he's not, you know, they, they, they chose the most central, least quote unquote woke candidate and he, beat Trump. Why? Well, because Trump was so awful. 
and yeah. so flagrant. And then there was a fucking siege on the fucking capital yeah, as yeah. if there, you needed proof enough. And now, but now he was the only one who could do it. But he was the only like, one who could do others. it. None, none of those others. Would have no. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like the, the the truly progressive agendas aren't actually as popular as the left wants them to be. And the reality yeah. is, in order to to get elected, you need to be popular. That's just like that's a default thing. So, I mean, it's managed. Sorry. It's managed to happen. I mean, it squeaked by in the states, didn't it? You know, Georgia was like in like a yeah. final hail mary. But now you're in the unique oh, position. Stacey Abrams. I mean, yeah, amazing, like, right? Amazing. Yeah. The work she did. God. That like groundswell of activism. That's what you need. Yeah. And that's what didn't happen in 2016. Yeah. Because. You know, AOC wasn't in power yet, and you know, Stacey was doing a thing or whatever. But the people that, that essentially the Bernie supporters and the people on that side of the party weren't doing enough ground to our support, yeah. and they learned from that. That was the great thing. They learned from that mistake this time. So in those kind of more swing states, they got on the ground and they made it happen. And Stacey Abrams, I mean, she deserves. They don't do nighthoods here, but she deserves one for the work that she did in Georgia. Yeah, basically. I'm sure she'll get a, pro- a congressional medal, some 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 professional, oh, yeah, 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 something yeah, like yeah. that for sure. And, and then, the I'm, fact that she's gone on. into like my po- my politics for the ne- for the foreseeable, I'm going to stay out of big office. My politics for the foreseeable yeah. is changing this at grassroots level. I mean, that's that's we need more people like that. We need more people who really fucking care. Absolutely, basically. because I mean, the law. I, this is getting a bit specific, I guess, for some people. But I I was just reading about the the voter restriction laws that they passed in Georgia because it's still Republican held local oh. government. Like if they've made it illegal to give food to people in line. Illegal. Yeah. Illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't give food to people in line, basically, because, because they don't want they don't, they don't want what happens. They don't want they, they essentially mm-hmm. let's call it let's call it what it is. They don't want black people because they've basically taken out all of the black voting um spaces. They don't want black people waiting in line for yep. 12 hours like they did in the last election yep. because that's where the vote is. It's literally voter suppression. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's a real fight. But like, heinous. but you've got this two-year window basically now in the States of like a yep. left-wing majority just about yep. in all three branches, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so something can happen, I think, I believe. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. hopeful. They will, they're letting Mitch McConnell still wield far too much power in yeah. the filibuster. But, yeah. I mean, I think we got to move out of executive order territory um, and get some stuff actually put into law. But, yeah. Um, but actually, just to bring it back to Britain, where most of the people are going to be listening, I think that, you know, these these examples kind of sit the same in the UK. I mean, you know, the, the, the right also want voter suppression. They also want to make it really difficult, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have that version of the, you know, the party political lines where, you know, the 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 Tory party will always fucking vote with, you know, they'll follow the whip. Um, whereas Labour won't always do that. And then the fact remains that we only have in the UK one right wing, you know, major party. But we have like three left wing ones. So the left vote is just always going to be split, basically. Um so there either needs to be more right-wing parties or fewer left-wing parties. Well, they've got you. Lawrence Fox has got his new party, hasn't he? So maybe, maybe oh some people God, will vote for that. that. Man, he's the new Katie Hopkins. What's he doing? I, I have no idea. Um, it seems it seems very very strange. Have you ever met him? No, 
no, no. I battled him on Twitter. Have and you? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, of course. Just call him a dickhead. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not scared of just going, you're a fucking wanker, mate. Go away. <laughs> Be quiet. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, I just, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I we, know. All, we always had the problem previous. The pro- I guess the problem that we have with Labour is there is a slight i don't know what the new government's like because i haven't been there like the new not the, the government the new party yeah, like because sure. i haven't been there for it yeah but obviously i was there for very many of the corbyn years um and obviously mm. i anyone who's seen the play knows that i've struggled with that i've very much struggled with jeremy corbyn but ultimately voted for him um but there's an arrogance with the labor party mm. uh that it's their way or no way basically and it fell down. Sorry, it fell down in 2010 when Gordon Brown wouldn't work with the Liberal Democrats. It fell down every single election that Jeremy Corbyn lost because he wouldn't give. Basically, he wouldn't give. And and mm. it's you can't just go in going this is it. It's so like old school socialist man saying this is what we're going to do and that's not good. You need to do what Jeremy Jeremy that um, what um, Joseph Biden is doing, which is basically coming in with a. A, a kind of fairly middle ground mm-hmm. positive agenda, but then actually enacting quite yeah. great left wing, you know, some of the shit that he's just like thrown in is just like, mate. Yeah, I know. It's you're amazing. Left wing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought you were way more moderate than this. I'm impressed. No, it's some, ex- it's some exciting changes. Definitely. I, I follow it quite closely, obviously, because Caitlin's American and we're definitely yeah. going to live in the States at some point as well. And oh, come, come, come. Oh, I can't wait. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I was just there, obviously, but that was for a yeah, very, yeah. very different sort of situation. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. So we'll get to see each other. Yeah, no, um, no. I'll is be back. I'll be back. She is. No, she's back here now. She's back with you now. Yeah. We're going to be back in October, though. So. Um, okay, great. We'll hang out. That'll be fun. Definitely. Definitely. You can introduce me to all your cool new New York family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, what you guys who are listening don't, maybe don't know is that um, Rob and Caitlin keep an amazing running Excel spreadsheet of <laughs> things to do and places to go That's right. in, uh, in New York. And it was so helpful when I moved here. Isn't like, I want to do this thing, I want to do that thing. <laughs> so, we should do some of that shit together that yeah. I haven't done yet. Yes. Fucking yes. Yes. Oh, I have to say, Stephen, talking to you, I, you're full of, of energy and optimism and um, and bursting, bursting at the seams with ideas, uh, but managing to to harness it. Um, I'm, I'm quite inspired, I have to say. And oh, sure. I am. I am. I'm not just I'm not just buttering your bread um, because like <laughs> last night I made the mistake of checking my emails at like half ten and I got some. Never do that. Oh, yeah. And I got some good news professionally, right? I've been offered a, a voice thing, which I can't really talk, can't really talk about, but it's very good. But but then awesome. obviously, but then that catapults me into that headspace of like thinking about it and and looking up and 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 then now, then I'm on my phone and I'm looking at the thing and I'm like, okay, what can I do? And you know, before I know it, it's three a.m. and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I have to, I think I have to take a page from your book here and just be like, well. I'm not going to be checking the email at 10.30 p.m. because I'll do no. it tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? what is the difference between 10.30 and 9.30? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nothing. Because no, also, no, if you're sending emails, no one wants to walk in to the office to an email that was sent at 3 in the morning. No <laughs> one wants that shit. Unless you're in another country. No, no like, you're just going to be like, yeah. dude, what the fuck? Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Red flag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Red flag. I honestly believe work hours are ten to six, and they shouldn't go beyond that. They shouldn't. 
What do you, you think? Know what do you think of the four three? They're doing this thing in Spain. I've got. I'll let you go in a second. We've been we're talking for an hour and twenty minutes. Amazing. Um, what, what do you think about like alternate work theory? So you've got we've got UBI. We've got in Spain they're doing this four four days on three days off trial with lots of big companies um that's great what do you think i mean it seems and and now that we've had all this working at home and, and there's you know there's going to transition back to office but i feel like it's also going to be more hybrid now in and less you know there'll still be some in person but there'll be more flexibility and less sort of time spent commuting when we don't need to and uh, alternate yeah, yeah, models yeah, yeah. of all the good shit uh, all the good shit right all the good shit that sort of yeah. creative people have kind of been saying for forever um yeah like, it took a so pandemic look, i've been i you know obviously i've been advocating for a daytime work thing right um but that's just because i mean i'm straddling two time zones so that's what works for me do you know what i mean mm. like i think that as long as you are able to like i definitely think like less time working more time just living mm. uh whatever that means to you is like really really important and not being married to a space or married to a job so this idea of four on three off is great i think i obviously you know um i i tend towards a slightly more socialisty outlook so i obviously love the idea of a universal basic income yeah. um i think that that would just allow for a, a creative renaissance whatever that means do you know what i mean um you know whether that means you get to open up your flower shop or the restaurant of your dreams or create plays or whatever that is i, I i'm obviously advocating for that yeah. um I do think, yeah, flexibility. I mean, it's just been living all the people knowing that they can work from home, and as long as they're supported and you can do your thing, I, I'm I'm all for it. I think it's yeah. I think it's great. I, I really do. That's a really yeah. It's a really it's a really good direction that things are going in. And speaking of yeah. of politics, I've got a friend Jeffrey Amura who is running for representation in New York. I don't know which which part you're registered in, but if you can vote for him, he's amazing. He's um he'd be the first Japanese American. Oh, okay. Well, you can, I'm, but maybe you can maybe you can give I him can, an endorsement. I can, I can. I can endorse. Yeah. And that's, okay, so that's what I was doing last year. I was like, look, I'm not allowed to vote here because I'm not a citizen. Right. I'm hoping I'll get my citizenship in like four years' time because the visa that I'm on is a gateway visa. So when I get it renewed, I think a year after that, I'm allowed to apply for citizenship. Amazing. And that's what I'd really, that's what I'd really like to do. Yeah. Um, I see my future very much here now. Right. Um, but um, but because I can't vote, but obviously I'm so, like so um, politically engaged. Um, so I canvassed basically because right. um, i'm also not allowed to donate um, which on one hand is fine because obviously i lost a shit ton of work and i've been pissed poor but <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean it's nothing like staring poverty in the face um but um but i yeah i can canvas and i can advocate and so i was making sure i was doing that basically cool. and like out on the streets and uh, if there wasn't like state lockdowns, my plan originally was that I was going to go to like Republican areas in, of America with like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris like, <laughs> and just like go and fly out <laughs> uh, like part road trip because I really want to do an American road trip. Of course. Um, I actually, did you see that documentary on Blockbuster? Oh my God. I've, I've wanted to see the last Blockbuster in America, right? It's amazing. I, I it's amazing. <sighs> and my yes, key takeaway is I want to drive to Oregon and join. <laughs> just drive there and just like become a member. And then like buy a DVD player along the way and just like stay in a motel that night and just like w like do a movie marathon <laughs> just so I can be a member of this blockbuster and drive across America to get there, basically. That's, so That's like my lovely. next big ambition. 
I've been like hoping mm. for before the before the pandemic happened, my plan, I think I told you that my plan was because I'd been working so hard was just to take a full month off for pleasure. Now look, I ended up taking some time off, but it, that was more about like just sorting my fucking head out. Mm. Um uh, I do still have this like dream that at some point soon I can just take like a month or two off of just like absolutely no work um, and just go and do something like drive across America, essentially. Mm. I just really love to do that. I think that will be possible soon. I, don't, I wouldn't, yeah, don't do it now while everything is still <laughs> covid Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be. <laughs> it's still covid <laughs> Yeah, we just need more, a few more people to have their, um, their vaccines. Yes, well, um, keep your fingers crossed. I've got an appointment of... tomorrow um, have at, you? at the Science Museum. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but I've heard rumours that they've occasionally been turning away people, but um, I would okay. love to get vaccinated at the Science Museum. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't think I've got any anti-vax listeners, but if I do, stop being silly, okay? <laughs> stop being silly. Also, actually, on the anti-vax thing, right? Okay, yeah. so I got into uh, a, a discussion, an online discussion with a right-wing person, basically, who like who was like super right-wing, super anti-vaxxer, super conspiracy theorist. Basically, thinks that the vaccine is a way to control the population and you know they're going to release a, a new version of the drug next year and it's going to kill everyone who's had the vaccine and it's all the left's fault oh, and I was of course like J- yeah, george soros like, <laughs> yeah exactly george soros and the jews of course right? of course um does everyone listening know that we're both jewish i'm sure they're assuming this by now <laughs> um so. so we're not being anti-semitic when we got the nope, jews we're allowed it. um <laughs> we are jewish we're not anti-semitic anyway so i got into this conversation with this guy where i was basically going your logic is really fucked up and he's like why and i'm like well if the lefts are the evil ones and we are planning world depopulation and complete and utter control via the vaccine why are we going to leave alive the right wing who are going to fight us we're going to leave alive the left wing who are compliant so if you're sensible take the vaccine because if you're right and the left is gonna depopulate the world they're not gonna take out the people they're giving us the vaccine because they're about to kill all you lot basically (laughs) because we're doing what we're told by doing this and that's what the that's what the controllers of the world are going to want they're going to want the good compliant people they're not going to want you people so take the vaccine if that's true take the fucking vaccine did you you get through no, he told through? me. He told me that I'm a commie c-word, um, oh, and that I'm going to die, uh, either at his hand or the hand of George Soros. Um, so, but if you're a more sensible anti-vaxer who who are listening, like, and you're spreading conspiracy bullshit, it's like what I say with the story, right? As a writer, I get to set up the world. I get to create the rules. I get to create the parameters, right? If I'm creating fantasy and in the first act, I haven't put a unicorn in there, I can't suddenly bring a unicorn in in act three. It's going to be so jarring. Do you know what I mean? Like, I establish the rules. Don't break my own rules. So conspiracy theorists listening, just... Just listen to the rules of your own conspiracy theory. The left are not going to want to take out the left. They're going to want to take out the right. So <laughs> vaccinate. And vaccinate. to the people who are sensible, get your vaccines, love. Let's get, get, get the world moving. Get your nice little vaccines. Have a cup of tea and go to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like the anti-vax thing 
feels to me that it's less prominent in the UK, though, no? I think it is, yeah. There's, um, that it's, I mean, uh, yeah, I've spent quite a lot of time in the States. I think you, you might agree where I say things there just tend to be a bit more extreme in general. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The UK yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of does settle into the middle a bit more in everything. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, has yeah, benefits yeah. and drawbacks, of course. Um, yeah, and, and it's about numbers as much as anything. Yeah. It's like 350 million versus yeah. 60. Yeah, exactly. I mean? So... So there's just a wider scope for all kinds of fun things like anti-vaxxers. Um. <laughs> and look, re- again, as a writer, like these people in these places, um, they're really entertaining. Yeah. You can gather so much story. Yeah. You can learn so much about the human mind, the way people talk and all that kind of stuff. So in one way, it's really useful and kind of fun. But in another, it's also terrifying. I know. You it's know. like, what would we do without villains, right? Because every every compelling story ever has conflict and, and people that you root for and people that you're against. And, and then in real life, you, you you know, you kind of don't want those people to exist. But that's... Absolutely do not want those people but to they exist. But have, they have to, don't they? Because otherwise, you know, it's a balancing act, the whole thing. Uh, oh, uh, Stephen. So, what have we? What have we? What have we found? What have we concluded? Take your vaccines. Vote for left-wing causes. Work four days a week. Don't check your emails after ten. Um, have I missed anything? Uh, be kind. Be kind. Yeah. In your comedy, but also in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't think. Yeah, of we a, covered a lot of ground. I mean, it's it's been absolutely wonderful. I, I wish I had, uh, I had I wish I had more time, but maybe maybe you'll come on again in the future. How does that? Yeah, sound? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Really fun. Yeah, really fun. possibly even really in fun. person when such things are allowed. <gasps> oh my god, that'd be such fun. Oh, we'd have a blast. That'd be such fun. If I wasn't sitting in a car right now, I would have let you video this. But <laughs> I'm sitting in the car. <laughs> that is okay, my darling, wonderful man. I am going to let you go. I can't believe I've had you locked in a car for an hour and a half. Go and enjoy the. Right. skills and and be creative and keep being you and i can't wait to see you i can't wait to see you and everything you just said goes back twice <laughs> doubly i can't wait to give you a good squeeze i'll see you soon my love all right take care take care okay, take bye. care bye bye bye, 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 bye. bye. <sighs> what an absolute delight that was um I, I i i there are no words for how much I adore that man, and um, and obviously, how how exciting is it? Oh, one Jewish boy, is it coming back? Is it coming back? It looks like it might be coming back. It might be coming back. Um, can't get too excited. Can't get too excited. Just focus on the present. Keep doing what you've got to do. Ha, ha, See, I'm still getting too excited, but I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you very much, Stephen, for coming onto the show. Thank you very much to my patrons and to my listeners and to everybody who's been supporting this show. And um, I'm not going to stop doing it when life comes back. Don't worry. I'm still here for you. And I will see you next week for another episode of The Bliss of the Abyss. I love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please give us five stars and consider becoming a subscriber and maybe even supporting us on Patreon. Really, really, really helps me continue making this show. Uh, if you haven't enjoyed it, then you can fuck off. Many, many thanks to Nils Hennis Steer for the amazing music and to Dave Fox for the cool artwork. Please keep coming back every week for more Bliss of the Abyss.
Message one. 